What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we're over 200 um, uh, episodes here, 15-minute podcast. I did the math the other day. I wish I had in front of me, but um, uh, the amount of listens is somewhere close to 50,000 listens, if I'm not mistaken. Um, a fair amount of time spent on this podcast. Pretty awesome. Uh, we love you guys. Thanks for being a part of this. Um, today we're going to talk about reassured hearts, having reassured hearts. First John chapter 3, verse 11 says, For this message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds are evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. You know, that scripture alone, when I um, came through a time I've talked about on the podcast before, but where I feel like I got born again, again, where I came out of a relationship and the Lord really did things in my heart. And I, I kind of detached from everything that I was a part of and just put myself in the word. And I feel like over the you know, 10, 15 days experienced this, this new birth experience of uh, falling in love with Jesus, just reading the Bible eight, 10 hours a day. There was so much confusion in my life. And, and, um, but that was one of the first things that the Lord showed me is that you will suffer persecution. It's the normal part of the Christian experience to suffer persecution. If you go your whole life without suffering persecution as a Christian, Obviously, we're not in like Iran right now, right? It's not the same type of persecution. But if you go your whole life without suffering persecution, it means you haven't stood up as being a Christian. You haven't spoken up and stood up boldly. You will suffer persecution. The persecution may be uh, in the form of someone at school calling, you know, someone in the family who mocks you, right? Someone who thinks that Christians, that Christianity is just a crutch, right? And people believe it because they're emotionally unstable. And people come up with all sorts of nonsense, people who... um, Hopefully, their hearts will change before the end of their days come. But uh, do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. It's a guaranteed thing. It's, mark, it's a mark of Christianity is to be persecuted. Verse 14, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. You know, I heard someone once say, you're the greatest proof, the greatest proof of, of, the, uh, of Jesus Christ is the is is your life, is a changed person. It's someone who was one way before and someone who is a different way, someone who hated and now loves, right? Someone who was uh, belligerent and is now, you know, calm and in their right mind, you know? You're the, Paul said, you're the epistle to to one of the uh, churches. He said, you're the epistle. Um, uh, He he was saying, you're my, he also said, you're my crown and joy of, uh, my crown and my rejoicing. as a minister, my life is summed up, yes, by me, yes, by my family, but by the people that I minister to. Other people in heaven is the stamp that I've done a good job to call, um, uh, to, to, to answer the call of God. And then it says here, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Sorry, verse 14. We know that we've passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. You know, people uh, all through Hollywood, anywhere you go, you see people, someone dies, and all of a sudden it's rest in peace. You know, the people don't believe in God, they don't believe in heaven, but then all of a sudden it's everyone's funeral. There's just something on the inside of man that knows there's eternity. Oh, he's in a better place. He's looking down over us. And they say these things, right? But people who, who uh, 
people who live lives of hatred their whole lives, people who renounce God their whole lives. Now, I'm not saying that they can't make a, they have the Hail Mary on their deathbed and their heart change, but for a lot of people, if you can't have both, you know, didn't believe Stephen Hawking, uh, staunch atheist, you know, dies, and then all of a sudden, rest in peace. There is no rest in peace. You can't have it both ways. Verse 17, but if anyone, verse 16, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. You know, I talk about definitions quite a bit on this podcast. And, and for me, I think this is the best definition of what love is. What is love? It's laying down your life for the good of another. It's laying down your life for someone else. It's not laying down your life for the happiness of another. It's laying down your knife, life for the good of another. I have a son now. He's you know just over three weeks old. But I will discipline him. I will spank my son, right? The Bible says if you spoil the rod, you, you, excuse me, if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. And so for me, part of my love will be to discipline him. If I don't, the Bible even says he who is without discipline is a bastard and he's not a son. God disciplines those he loves. So that's not making him happy when I spank him, when he's six years old and he's got an attitude and I spank him. It's not making him happy, but it's for his own good. So it's me saying, hey, I don't feel like spanking my son. Spanking's not a fun thing, right? I'm not naturally going to enjoy spanking, but I know in the future I'm sowing for his future. And so love is you laying down your life for someone else's good. It's you considering somebody else um, above yourself. But if verse 17, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what he pleases. This is giving you a key to answered prayer, but it starts with all of this love leads up to one thing. It's having a reassured heart before God. You know, God wants us to be at a place where our heart is reassured before him. I see many people, there's really two sides, but many people spend a lot of their Christian life wondering, God, am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? Am I doing this right? Christianity is not just a list of, of, of do's and don'ts. You know, when you get born again, the Bible says that he puts in a heart of flesh. God puts a brand new heart on the inside of you. Why is that important? Because it's a heart that the new nature, that's your nature changes. Your new nature is not to sin. Now, you may be used to doing certain things. You may, before you got born again, have been used to smoking and drinking every night. And then you get born again and you say, man, I'm not going to smoke and I'm not going to drink anymore. You may still have a taste for it, but your new nature wants to please God. And so for us, the Bible actually says he, a new covenant in the Old Testament. He looked forward to the New Testament and said, a new covenant will I put within you. And and you will not, you won't have to say everyone teach his neighbors because the Lord will teach you. So God has actually set it up that the heart that he gives you gravitates towards the right thing. Your old unrenewed self gravitates towards the wrong thing. And so for us, God wants us to have a reassured heart that as you sit there, if you can honestly say, 
God, every, every time the Holy Spirit asks me to do something or leads me in a direction, I don't resist the Holy Ghost, that you can have a reassured heart. God wants you to have confidence before Him. The life of Christianity is one where He says in Hebrews 4, He says, come boldly, verse 16, come bold, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace to receive help and, mer- and uh, find grace and mercy to help in time of need. God is looking for his people to be able to to be able to stand up boldly. The truth is if you can't stand before God with boldness and confidence, knowing that you're righteous, knowing who you belong to, knowing that your blood the blood of Jesus has washed you clean, how will you be able to stand up boldly in front of the, when the devil tries to attack you? If your if your view of God is your he's just like scanning, he's like the IRS um, we did a, uh, we, we, we did a podcast called, I think it was something like don't act like the IRS or something like that, but someone who's scanning for mistakes, you know, the, the life of a believer is, is, isn't just, Hey, go out and figure this out and get better. You know, God gives us the person of the Holy spirit. The Bible actually says that one of the works of the Holy Spirit is to convince us of righteousness. What does that mean? His job is to show us who we are. The Holy Spirit is trying to convince you that you're righteous before God, that when you accepted Jesus, it was enough. Yes, there's changes that need to be made, but it's like when you go bowling, uh, probably no one listening here puts on the bumpers, uh, the the bumpers in the bowling alley anymore. But that's what the life of with the Holy Ghost is like. the 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 ball gets bowled, right, and then all of a sudden it starts to go off track, and the Holy Spirit's there to bump you back in line. And so it's it's He's there to help us in our life. He's there to show us the right way. Right now. If you went and did something that you wouldn't do, you weren't supposed to do, or if you have unforgiveness in your heart, the Holy Spirit. Every time you get around the presence of God, every time you get around the, you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit's going to do His part to show you, hey, this needs to be repented of. You know, repentance is the key. If you can't humble yourself and repent and turn around and just cry out to God and say, God, there's nothing more important in my life than being right with you. There's no girl, there's no boy, there's no relationship, there's no financial gain, there's no, uh, you know, this person did this to my family, there's no um, uh, vengeance that's worth it to not be in right relationship with God. The Holy Spirit is there to bump you back in line and to lead you. Why? So that you can have a reassured heart before God. Because it goes on to say, right after that, it says, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God and whatever we ask, we receive from him. You know, people who ask sheepishly, they ask with no faith, right? If you pray, Father, I'm asking you for this, and you can't pray confident, knowing that, you, that you're a blood, blood-bought, blood-washed, right? Child of God, that when God looks at you, he doesn't see you. He, sees, he doesn't see your mistakes. He sees the blood of Jesus. You don't come in your own righteousness. You come in the righteousness of Jesus. God wants us to have boldness before him. But there's also two sides to this. There's the other side where you see people who are like a law unto themselves. You know, I tend to, to be more the first way. I was raised in a strict home. My mom spanked us growing up. We always like just had to make sure we were doing the right thing. But what that led into, and I'm so grateful for that, but what that led into was that I had to work my way through, you know, feeling like um, there's this 
there's this parent figure. My mom is a great mom. This isn't a bash at my mom at all. She did a great job. We have a great relationship now. Um, and we always had a great relationship. But th- this feeling of like, my mom was looking to protect me. Discipline for her, she understood her disciplining me was her protecting my future. But for me, my authority figure was just discipline, right? Obviously, there was love, there was love, there was love, but there was discipline, which was a part of love. So for me, it was like this thing of like, God, am I doing it right? God, am I doing it right? God, am I doing it right? not understanding that it comes a point where if you're not doing it right, the Holy Spirit will show you. Reassure your heart before God. Are you walking in love to other people? Are you putting other people first? Is God your number one? Then you're doing it right and you can take the pressure off. On the other side, though, you have people who grew up and maybe were rebellious people who just feel like they can do their own thing. John John 14, 15, it says, he that loves me, it is keeps my commands. A proof of loving God, one of the main proofs of loving God is that you keep his commands. If someone says, I'm a Christian, but they disobey the Bible, they are showing by their actions that they're not actually a Christian. Now, it's not like you people don't make mistakes, but if you're constantly, someone says, I'm a Christian, and they're an alcoholic, and they're they're sleeping with their girlfriend. Oh, I'm a Christian. You, you, you're disobeying the Bible. Your actions show that you're not a child of God. If they're continuing in those things, if, they, if there's no excuse for them, if there's no remorse, right? If there's no like, I want to get this right. Hey, I'm making mistakes. I'm, a, uh, you know, I've got this, this, this thing, alcohol just has power. If it's whatever, you know, if it's, if it's just a, yeah, I, sure, I drink. Sure, I do this, but I'm still a Christian. He who loves me, keeps my commands. The Bible is very plain. And so people, um, they don't obey the gospel. The Bible says that our lives should adorn the gospel. But for us, we have to know that we have confidence before God, but you can't just say, I have confidence because I'm a confident person. It starts with humility. You know, our confidence before God starts with obedience. It starts with saying, yes, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. Lord, if I'm going to do anything while I'm on planet earth, I'm going to obey the gospel. But once you've made a decision and from your heart said, Lord, I want to serve you. You know, the heart of a true Christian wants to serve God. The heart, that's why when I see people whose actions don't line up with the word of God, people who are just doing their own thing time and time again, and it's like they, they, they sin and sin and sin, and it's look like they, sh- they show no remorse for it. I question if they're really a Christian. Why? Because the heart of a Christian wants to please God. The heart of a Christian has no greater desire than God. I want to I please you. I want to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, it's time now. It's 2020, but it's time that we accept, we stop accepting the standard of 2020 and we accept, we accept the standard of the Bible that we say, you know what? I'm not going to let myself be distant from the Lord. I'm going to draw into the Lord. If you're in a place where you say, man, I'm not as close to the Lord as I once was. The Bible says, return and do the former things. How's your dedication to the word? How's your dedication to prayer? I want to guarantee you that if you, if you, I want to tell you that if you feel like you're distant from the Lord, start to do those things again. Start to, start to spend time in worship. Start to spend time in the word. Start to win souls. Just do the actions and cry out to God. God, I want my heart to burn for you. Lord, I don't want to stay stagnant. People call me, Ryan, how do I get close to the Lord? You spend time in his word. Spend time at church. Oh, you just want my church attendance. No, I want you under the anointing. I want the anointing to touch your heart. The anointing is what makes the difference. 
God has a plan, and it's time for us to, to say, I'm accepting the standard of the Bible, not the standard of my generation. If that's going to be you, hey, let me hear you say that's me. I can't hear you, but you know. <laughs> I love you. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next podcast.